This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. It's Thursday and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite. And this is the Day After Dynamite. This is the ninth episode of Day After Dynamite. I'm Will Washington. But I'm not alone here. In nine weeks, uh, this man seems to (laughs) have uh, turned heel on all of us. And uh, I'm talking about Mr. Theron Reynolds uh, back again. He was my first guest here on Day After Dynamite. And now he's here again. That's right. Will the first, the best, the blackest. I'm back, Will. I'm back. And uh, we got graphs to talk about today, don't we, William? We, we do. How, uh, how was New Orleans? How was New Orleans? I am fucking tired. If people are wondering uh, why we are starting so late, I just woke up. Um, because I have not had barely any sleep uh since new orleans i swear Uh, man the amount of trips we've taken together and the fact that you always like take that early early ass flight right back oh 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 no did did i lose theron no no don't do that um well shit i'm sure he'll be back shortly oh there he goes there he goes there we go (laughs) okay what I was saying was, I'll never understand why you do these early ass flights right after your uh, after the show. Like it's insane, it's insanity, sir. I mean, what are you doing? so honestly, I should take flights like immediately after the show because like leaving double or nothing, uh, my flight is at one, which is like perfect because at that point, uh, you know, the show gets out at um, the show will end at nine. I'll uh, probably be a media scrum till eleven, and then bam. Hop on the plane, leave. That's going to be easy. No, but this shit today, you know, my flight was at 5 a.m. So it's like uh, I have that that period of you know, I got to kill some time. But also if I sleep, I'm going to sleep too long. So don't. Uh, but maybe I can get like an hour in. and But then I'm just going to get really tired. And And then, of course, it's like not that long of a flight. So even sleeping on the plane wasn't that long. I don't know. But uh, you're doing that shit for Vegas, though, too. Speaking of double or nothing, that's exactly what you're doing for Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's... Not going to come and party with me. My man. We got, we got, we got to teach no, no, we got the, First off, we got Saturday for that. And and uh, I, don't, I don't know when you get in, but I, I'll be in, uh, in Vegas for a few days. So 
I wish. I uh, I saw their GCWs running some shows and everything. I can't get in until literally that Sunday morning, which is a big, big bummer. Uh, yeah, see, I'm, all my fun's going to be Saturday night. So that's... <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is yeah. now. Leaving me hanging again, sir. Again. And <laughs> I'm the one. Hanging. <laughs> I'm the one that went heel. I want y'all to know I went heel. And he's leaving me. No. Um, yeah. I couldn't do it. I, I always have to get a day after. If I don't get a day like after like the show just to relax and wind down and everything, I'm usually mad and grumpy, typically because I'll end up with like wrestling fans on flights that I don't want to be next to either now. Uh because you know I'm elevated and everything. I can't sit next to the common, the common wrestling fan now. So uh I have to wait a day so I have a chance to fly with uh with the elites if you you know you catch my drift. The, uh, yeah. Uh, not not the wrestling elite. Not the wrestling. I mean, those who pay for a TSA pre-check and the A-list boarding group. Uh, there it is, right there. That's that's my crowd, right there, folks. Oh yeah. See, I'm not a. Uh, so I as the A-list boarding group. So it's funny because I hate Southwest. I mentioned that all the fucking time. I hate, <laughs> hate, hate Southwest. Uh, I like to just know where my seat is, so I don't have to deal with nothing but show up whenever I need to and sit down where I planned on sitting and know where it's going to be. But of course, this trip to New Orleans was a Southwest trip. And uh, I could have paid for early bird check-in, but decided, eh, I'll chance it. So of course, when you have a 5.15 a.m. flight, that means that you have to wake up at 5.15 the day before. And <laughs> oh, book it. I'm sorry. You actually have to wait. So uh, this was a mistake. Um, I actually set my alarm for 5.13 the day before, thinking it would take me like two minutes to get my like uh, to, to get everything up. No, That's I had a rookie move. So I, I got there immediately, and I'm just sitting there like tired trying to stay awake. But I'm like, nope. 120 more seconds. <laughs> just you slept, didn't you? <laughs> no, I didn't, no, I didn't. I didn't, right? But this is what I did wrong. So I so I got checked in properly for uh, getting to New Orleans. Okay. But then leaving New Orleans, I forgot about the time zone difference and the fact that I would be on the flight during my check-in time. For oh. the next one. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, no. So I ended up with like, oh, I know what I ended up with because it's funny. For one day, Will Washington was a B-52. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, yeah, I looked at it. I'm like, B-52, are you kidding me? Um <laughs> So. That's that's gonna be like the only time where we'll ever hear that sentence, and it'll actually make sense at that point. <laughs> yeah. Now I was beat fifty two, and I was mad at it. Oh, I've just received something from Theron Reynolds. I have to look at this. You're uh, you're telling a funny story about yourself right now, and Will. There's more. There's more stories, my friend. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, okay, I have to look at this. Um, all right, so there's a graphic that's been sent my way. I'm going to put this up on the screen. You mentioned I went heel, Will. This is the real, the real heel move right here, sir. I want you to know I came prepared today to tell everybody, everybody about the real Will. 
That's right. One will, one way, the Theron Reynolds story. All the true explosive stories about the real William R. Washington, y'all. The real one. I'm talking Almond Joys. I'm talking Walmart trips. I'm talking IHOP. If you ever wanted to know the deep down dirty secrets about William R. Washington, you're going to pick this book up, y'all. It's coming. It's coming. Does that say Walmart shoes? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Walmart shoes, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let William R. lie to you and tell you he is a connoisseur of the sneaker arts. Now, don't let him tell you that he only carries the most massive of drips, folks. Walmart shoes for Mr. William R. That's all. That's all. There's more in the book. There's more in the book now, of course. But uh, got to pay for that. Got to pay for that, Will. Um, speaking of which, um, I had a scoop this week, uh, FightfulSelect.com. Um, this was, I guess, the first Fightful Select story that is fully credited to me. Um, I saw that. Yeah, so you can check that out, FightfulSelect.com. And uh, I, while, while being in New Orleans for this week's Dynamite, I actually was able to uh, break a story. So... That was fun. And, of course, The Observer had it, like, four hours later. But um, I still broke that story. Uh, and I did have the initial uh, scoop on that. So I'm curious how that feels. Like, because I, I guess, like, I feel like news breaks differently. Like, when, it break, when it's breaking during TV events versus pay-per-view. Like, I feel like we'll always get bigger scoops and stuff during, like, TV shows than any kind of pay-per-view going on. So like, how is that for you being a, you know, being a reporter and everything? Like when you get a big story at something you're at, you know? Well, that's the thing is I, I never like to call myself a reporter or a journalist because that would require me to have any sort of integrity. And I, sir, do not. I'll tell and, you, and, you and, do and not. I, and I will, I will fully tell anybody that that is why I don't call myself a reporter. I don't call myself a uh anything it, it is all truly um like here's the thing my cousin works for AEW right so then at this point i will uh support anything he does i will never claim to be unbiased uh i will and also if i get the scoop on anything he's doing y'all ain't gonna hear about it i don't get uh i i'm not gonna hold myself to any sort of standards on that kind of thing because i recognize that um i don't i can't i I, it's it's not in anybody i love's interest to do that and i've got friends there too like i I can't um but i also have friends in wwe uh so like what do i do with that uh and so at that point i'm just if I come across something that I do feel is useful enough for the um, the audience, you'll know um, if I feel it's useful enough information. And last night, uh, it definitely was, especially in the way I came about it. Uh, hey, I want to check out some Super Chats here, though. Super Chats. Uh, Ricardo says, Joe and Murder Grandpa's chests were hamburger. Woo! Um, yes. Yeah, they were. See, I saw you standing up clapping for that one. Now. Yeah, see the in person. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and uh, oh, uh, let's see. Uh, what did you eat in New Orleans? Um, I, I 
so I mentioned um, in my Instagram story uh, that I was going to attempt to find some crawfish. Um, but it turns out, not crawfish season. So, uh, not in Louisiana, at least. Yeah. And so that was one of those, okay, I. I learned something new because this was my first time in New Orleans. Um, but no, I, I ended up um, finding this really cool gumbo place. And uh, I learned why people say um, why the joke about having tomatoes in your gumbo is is a thing. Uh, <laughs> that like if, if you eat tomatoes in your gumbo and you're in New e- uh, Louisiana, uh, it's a problem. We don't we don't put tomatoes in gumbo, so and like people had signs. There were two signs. I saw. I saw. Puts tomatoes in gumbo, and I thought. Uh, uh, but luckily, I had only learned like an hour before the show why that is, and and so I was like, I get that. That's a thing. I we're here. We're here, New Orleans. This was really your first time ever going to New Orleans, though. First time. First That's time so in crazy. Louisiana. So, uh, do you ever use the uh, or have you seen in Google Maps, it has your location history. And if you go to, uh, if you pull up your location history in Google Maps, it'll show you every place that your phone has been uh, for any extended period of time. No, but you don't want to look at mine. So that's probably why I've never looked, I've never looked that up. So, you know, that's going to tell okay, a lot so of bad info. Here, here's the thing. Here's what you don't do. Don't so there's multiple tabs, right? Uh, don't go to the places tab. Go to the cities tab, and then you're okay. The places right. tab is might get you in some trouble, but yep, the cities tab, <laughs> the cities tab just kind of gives you some significant looks at like where you've been, and okay, the cities you've been in, uh, and it also I noticed. Um, Oh, no, mine is, I was going to say, does it count if you were just, like, in an airport for an hour? Um, and it does, because the only time I've ever been in Austin, Texas, was for a layover. So, but it does have me for Austin, Texas. Um, but, yeah, I had never been to New Orleans. Uh, so, all of this was just kind of a fun experience, fun trip. I went with my brother and his uh, his fiance, or fiance, his wife, uh, fiance, they've been married. I was going to say, that's a long engagement at yeah, that point. Long sure. engagement. No, they've been married eight years. Um <laughs> Nah, uh, I went with my brother and his wife, and then um, you were going to come. And then, I was. Yeah, uh, I ended up selling your ticket uh, to a guy who actually worked for the Pelicans. Um, so that was also cool. Uh, he but you said to, he was cool as hell, so. He was cool. He, yep. uh, he actually had to dip out as soon as the proper Dynamite ended. So he didn't see the post-show stuff. As soon as proper Dynamite ended, he... Uh, was like, all right, peace, because I got to make it over to the Smoothie King Center for the actual Pelicans game, um, which they won, and they are now in the playoffs. Uh, hey. so, so good for them. Uh, so, <sighs> Dynamite New Orleans. Dynamite. It was at the UNO Lakefront Arena. Um, this arena has been home to uh, many famous events. Uh, including in 2018, uh, Cody Rhodes faced uh, Kenny Omega at the Ring of Honor show in uh, in New Orleans in this very arena. Uh, did I see that match? Were did you go to Supercard of Honor before WrestleMania in New Orleans? Is was that the same one that had a uh, Bucks versus uh, uh, Oh God? 
Oh, man. I've been to two ROH shows, which I know shows my knowledge there. But the one I remember going to, it, I think it was the Bucks and uh, what's dude's name who used to be in the league? That's that Flip? Bucks and Flip versus uh, The Kingdom? Was that not that same that same uh, show? Uh, no, that show was Flip Gordon and the Bucks versus SCU. Ah, okay. Okay. So I was at that show. Just got the wrong names. <laughs> oh, you did. Uh, you actually did have. You were at that show. And... I had to have been at that show. I feel I was at that show. Okay, because you went right. to because you went to that WrestleMania, right? In yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. Yep. Uh, in 2018. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and so that was. So yeah, I missed both those WrestleManias that were in New Orleans, uh, and I didn't go at all. So I missed every single piece of New Orleans fun. But I got that. Yes. Because that was the one where Bully Ray went totally racist, full racist on Cheeseburger. I remember that. I'm like, that was a good show. <laughs> uh, that is how I remember that show. <laughs> the hate crime on Cheeseburger. Good so times. you So you've been to the Lakefront Arena then? I have been to the Lakefront Arena. Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, I will say that the it's a it's a cool arena. Um, I like small. the layout. Yeah, yeah it, and it, it's smaller, uh, but I will say that seeing it on TV this week, it, you wouldn't have known how much smaller it is than even the traditional Dynamite arena. Um, you know, Dynamite typically runs, um, uh, yeah, Dynamite typically runs the college basketball arenas uh, in the area, and. Uh, those can vary in size, but I felt like for the amount of AEW shows I've been to, which I think this is like number 11, um, this was definitely on the even the smaller side of that. But I thought the only way you would have been able to tell that is the fact that they used the smaller stage. Uh, and beyond that, though. Presentation-wise on TV, yeah, it looked fairly normal, honestly. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they had to use the smaller stage, and the smaller stage now... Uh, they used to use a different small stage. This time, they seem to have uh, moved to a single Tron that's kind of elevated uh, with the the tunnels on the side. They used to have the single Tron that was kind of on the ground. It used to look like the old NXT stage. Uh, but this show kicked off with Pinta Oscuro taking on CM Punk. Uh, and we're definitely going somewhere here because it feels like CM Punk is being uh, positioned for the number one contendership for the AEW World Championship. And, you know, we weren't sure before a month ago if that was going to be CM Punk or Adam making Cole. his way there. Or not CM Punk, but uh, CM Punk or MJF uh, because they could have gone anywhere. But now MJF, and we'll talk about that in a minute, ain't got the singles wins to remotely contend. It is now strictly CM Punk who seems to be motioning here to become AEW world champion, or at least challenge for it. The question is who will he challenge uh, Adam Cole or Adam page before we get there? We had a match Pentascuro, CM Punk. And I love the setup of this as well too. Cause I know a lot of people online were asking like, all right, why would these two guys fight? And it's like, you don't need that explanation. Like literally they're both ranked. They're both like in contention for the world title. So of course, at some point, they're going to fight. And I love that, that we're going to yeah, get all these brand new matches just for rankings and that. And, that's, and, that's great. And it was, yeah, and it was simple, right? You have um, Penta, who was a top five ranked contender, CM Punk, who's a top five ranked. And we need to find out soon who the number one contender is since mm -hmm. uh, we are moving forward on that. And we ended up 
with a match between two opponents who didn't quite know each other at all. Yeah. And uh, gave us probably one of the more different matches of uh, CM Punk's career. CM Punk, uh, he's a really, really smart worker. And I'll explain why I think so. But um, this match saw uh, saw one, a crowd that was very split between Seto Miero and CM Punk. Uh, and they were loudly chanting both. Uh, crowd was just kind of the whole match too. Yeah. Throughout the whole match. Didn't Um, go like hard one side by the end of it. Like some of these matches can do full, full match. And and I just finally watched it. People were tagging me from like the moment the show started and they were like, we saw you singing on uh, camera. Let me tell you folks, if that's all you saw of me singing CM Punk's theme, you didn't get (laughs) even like the majority of it (laughs) because Look, when Cult of Personality comes on, I don't care if I am at a Living Color concert, which I did go to last year, or because uh, they did perform here in Denver, um, or I am at a WWE show in 2012, or I'm at an AEW show in 2022. I am fucking belting that shit, and uh, I don't necessarily know who's looking when i am and when i saw what people saw i was like oh you like barely got me like into it like the first look in my eyes i (laughs) i am like screaming from the top of my lungs when i get that oh i'm the yeah no are you fucking kidding me I mean, um, I feel like the real camera work is to catch you during the first bridge just to see if you do that thing that half the people in the arena do where they side-eye. Do I know the right name to say in the first bridge here? Am I going to fuck up that lyric now? <laughs> yeah. That's the real camera work to get on you, Will, is to see if you get it right on the first bridge, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's no way I get it wrong because <laughs> I've listened to that song a billion times over the last 30-something years. Um, All right. He better know it because, y'all, I double or nothing. I'm going to film Will's face while he's singing the damn theme song the sure. whole time. <laughs> whole time. Now, if he messes one word up, done. Done, Skeezy. Yeah, no, nah, but there's the thing. Uh, entrances, especially today, in mm. the way that there's licensed music for entrances, and the way that entrances are just, like, really exciting now. Um, yeah, you're probably going to catch me going nuts for him. And if I'm visible on camera sorry that's what i fucking do uh and yeah so people were all tagging me and they're like we saw you during the the uh cm punk entrance and you did that's what i did uh and it was uh, it was a fun match um do you think honestly uh because like with the whole uh, the leg thing that everybody thought was like an injury and everything do you think punk was kind of working not that it matters but do you think he was kind of working a heelish style in this match against penta no, uh, I think uh, it, this was just me paying attention in the arena. I don't have a scoop on this, so don't quote me. This was more so just me looking. My theory is that the initial slip up off the top rope was not intentional. Okay. However, after that slip up, and this is where I think CM Punk is a masterful worker who understands psychology better than anybody understood that the best thing he could do now is to 
work his leg injured. I think that was an on-the-spot call. I think that was a him then communicating to both Bryce Remsburg and uh, and Penta that after that uh, after that slip up off the top rope to continue working the match, uh, but this time working an injured leg to sell what had happened before. Uh, because it would have looked worse had that happened, and then he just worked the match like normal. And I think there was kind of a on-the-spot change of like, okay, I'm gonna work an injured knee the rest of this match because I just slipped. Which is a great audible to call because I mean, yeah, it kind of looks like a bit, a little bit like a like a minor botch. But like again, like you said, like CM Park, this Park, CM Punk understands like psycho ring psychology so well that like calling that audible and going towards. And again, you said you don't know, but I agree with that. It seems very clear because they weren't telling the story about the leg at all until after that. Seems very clear they pivoted, and that was actually one of the better aspects of the match because it wasn't a phenomenal match. I didn't think it was a phenomenal match uh, by any means. I thought it was a good one, but was not a phenomenal one, and that was definitely one of the smarter one of the smarter uh, bits of storytelling in that match for sure. Yeah, and uh, that that is definitely just something Punk does does really well. Yeah, um, and like I said, I think it was uh, a good call, um, and. Punk wins. Punk yeah. wins. Uh, I thought they got to the uh, the go to sleep very smartly. I think the way that they worked up to it, the way CM Punk signaled to the crowd that he was going to put him to sleep, crowd chants go to sleep, um, and then uh, Penta reverses it, and we worked toward getting to that go to sleep for him to finally hit it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would have been disappointed if he won with anything else. If like after all that build up to trying to get a go to sleep, if he had like won with an anaconda vice, I think I would have been pissed. But uh, <laughs> they built built us up to it. They hyped it, uh, and when he hit that go to sleep, it, like I said, it was a smart match that worked the crowd well. Was it the best worked match? Probably not. I have to say, by the way, I do like that the "you fucked up" chant has changed so much over the years. Yeah, because. Um, I remember back when there was a botch in the last 20 years, you fucked up used to be the thing you chanted at wrestlers when they botched something in the ring. Now we give now, them a minute. Now that chant has moved on to like, oh, you're in trouble now. Cause like they was chanted at Sean Spears when he hit Wardlow with the steel chair crowd chants, you fucked up, you fucked up. But it's no longer at botches, I noticed. Now no. it's a <laughs> You're gonna get your ass kicked, basically. Now you're gonna get your ass kicked. And I thought, you know what? That's a much better use of that chant to me. Yeah. Uh, than it was back in the day because I can't imagine what it's like in the ring to fuck up and have the crowd chanting you fucked up at you. Uh so at least if we're gonna keep that chant around, that's a Put better way to do it. Something nice. Yeah. And I do want to call out as well, too, going on from that. Um, I grant, and I haven't noticed it before with him doing it. I really did enjoy at the end with Punk hitting the go to sleep on Penta, him pushing him immediately down to get that pin afterwards. Like, I don't know why, but that little, like, that little touch on it, like, really sold it for me because typically when he hits that go to sleep, like, the guy just, like, like shoots themselves backwards because he just got blasted in the face. But it's like, if you're putting somebody to sleep, like, either they're crumpling right away. Or I can understand, like, I'm I'm dazed. I have no idea what's going on. And I like that little effect of Punk 
pushing him down and grabbing the pin. I really enjoyed that uh, yeah, that on the that. go to sleep. Yeah, but good match, honestly. Um, and it did exactly what you were saying, which was it pretty much continues elevating Punk up into that spot to where he should get to call that title shot anytime now. So yeah, and I think he gets it at double or nothing. Yep. Um, there's a question of who he goes up against, and I know like the obvious answer is oh, Hangman, duh, but. There's a little piece of me wondering why they went with the Texas death match for this Friday show and it's live and it's right before SmackDown rather than after to where if they did like a title change, um, it, it could, uh, it could set the tone for the night. I don't know. Uh, but I think it's not unreasonable if a title change took I mean, it would be unreasonable because I'm like, no, Adam Cole's not going to become champion. But I don't fucking know. I actually don't know. I, it's uh, a live episode, right? Yeah, it's it's live. It's before SmackDown, and it's uh, there's. I, I was thinking about a little pattern here. One thing I noticed was uh, the Texas Death Match. This will be the third Texas Death Match in less than a year, and there seems to be a a small pattern that might be taking place with the Texas Death Match. Uh, I mean, I guess there is a pattern, which is that the winner of the last one has challenged the next one, but lost when it came time. Because it was the Ooh. first one was Moxley versus Lance Archer. Lance Archer won, but then Lance Archer then goes on to challenge Hangman yep. to a Texas death match. And then Lance Archer loses yep. uh, to Hangman. Hangman issued the challenge to Adam Page for a Texas death match. And I could see there maybe being a little bit of a pattern here. Uh, <laughs> if Adam Page maybe uh, bit off more than he can chew here and is underestimating Cole, I don't know. I actually don't know. Uh, but like my betting gut says, oh, don't put any money on anybody but Adam Page. You just have to go with Adam Page versus CM Punk. But on the other hand, there has not been a surprise world title change yet. They've all been fairly. Yeah. Like, uh, and I like predictable, basically, like or built yeah. up, built up. Yeah, they've been yeah. fairly built up and fairly yeah. like, OK, like, OK, this was the right call. There's never been one that's like, whoa, we just got the world talking. Yeah. Uh, kind of a, uh, a title change. So I don't know if they're going to do that yet. But. Vince, Vince and the WWE have beat me into abuse so much over the last like few <laughs> decades to where there are two thoughts in my mind go with, all right, one, like I can see Paige retaining because if you are going to put the belt on Punk, then taking it from Paige makes more sense because you can't have Cole lose it in what's presumably his first title defense. Then it's like, well, would that really hurt Cole if he lost it in his first title defense? But then it's like, and like, there's so many thoughts going on with it to where I, I'm with you. I couldn't put money on that match like at all that's I'm, a I'm bad a, bet i actually am looking forward to tomorrow and seeing what they do with it uh, yeah van twin blade by this by the way says uh a big guy who uh is big with no experience in the ring when rohit raju is right there gestures vaguely to the left yeah uh, uh we're, we'll talk about that we'll get and, there and rob says oh my brothers gave me uh gave us the fist uh thank you rob um and yeah so this one this one got a b minus for me uh mainly because I, I i actually liked punk psychology through it all and i liked uh punk selling and 
I do like the idea of CM Punk going toward a world title because I feel like he is the top babyface in the company and he could actually pull that off. Yeah. So, did what uh, it needed to do. I, I'd needed. go with that. I'd, I'd go with the B minus because I was going to give it a C, but I'll be nice. B minus. Right. No, I'm kidding. It gets a C. It gets a C. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the AEW World Tag Team titles, the belts that uh, Kyle O'Reilly called the most important World Tag Team Championships in the world, Jurassic Express defending the titles against Red Dragon. Uh, I was also caught on camera at least dancing to this one. Um, <laughs> but yes, we had the World Tag Team titles on the line. And I just have to say, like, I, I know it's been done before, but I really love the one thing that separates AEW from, like, a lot of the other companies is that in the promo setting up this match, Jurassic Express made it very clear, you guys aren't ranked right now. Like, you've literally not had enough matches to get this, so we have to volunteer to put the belts on the line. I just, I love that little touch because it really did make you think they could lose those belts because there's yeah. no way they should be fighting for those belts tonight. Right, oh, and, and and this is only the second time that they've had somebody, oh no, third time. The third yeah. time that they've had somebody give a title shot voluntarily to somebody who wasn't ranked, and one day that's going to bite the champion in the ass. Yep. Um, because uh, well, the champ will not, or will think that it, it's to their advantage, and then all of a sudden this person who wasn't ranked somehow takes it from them um, mm-hmm. so there is a story to tell there this was not the day for that though uh red dragon uh they tried everything yeah they tried everything they went in there and and worked with jurassic express um i had a quote yesterday uh Uh-oh. as i was watching um some people on wrestling twitter argue about what's better who's better uh how what the best thing to enjoy about pro wrestling is and um, I I want to find my exact words on it because I had said, hold on, let's see, uh, fam, uh, I said that uh, I'm just here for loud and happy crowds and to be in them as often as possible. None of that shit matters when there's a pop. That's that was my entire outlook on all of professional wrestling. That honestly. I am a sucker for just crowd-pleasing shit because that is, to me, the best stuff in pro wrestling. You could talk to me about um, the best match, but if the match had no crowd reaction, I don't. it's hard for me to get into it, which was why I had a really hard time with uh, the pandemic era pro wrestling. Um, and, uh, and you can talk to me about um, people who you don't like and who shouldn't be getting pushed, but when the crowd's into it, I don't give a fuck about any of that. Like, nope. ultimately, if you can get that sound of the crowd, that is truly the only thing that matters. And I know that's like old cliche WWE talk because that's stuff that like Hunter used to say. But like, honestly, it's that true is, though. It is true. Um, and I said all that to say this: there's always this discussion on social media about or various forms wherever you look. There's always people discussing Luchasaurus and how good he is and what he brings to the table. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about any of that because that guy holds crowds in the palm of his hand. 
He just stands on the ring apron and crowds are screaming for Luchasaurus. And then when he gets in the ring, they love all of his offense. I don't give a fuck what you think about this guy, whether you think, oh, the dinosaur gimmick's stupid, blah, blah, blah. Look, that man does exactly what pro wrestling is. He is a textbook example of pro wrestling in the sense of working the crowd, having the crowd behind you, and... I will say that as long as Luchasaurus gets those reactions, there to me is no justification for uh, not pushing Luchasaurus. I agree. And I mean, I know we do a lot of talk about like stupid gimmicks and things like that now. And, um, you know, sometimes stupid gimmicks, they don't work. Like I I get it. You put them on TV. Sometimes the crowd gets into them and they'll eat everything up that you're doing with that completely stupid ass gimmick. And it's bad. It can be really, really bad, whatever the gimmick might end up being. But what I will say though, is that when Luchasaurus has a good match, it's it's entirely worth it. And especially when they put Jurassic Express against like those top teams, like, cause it's one thing if they're facing like Bear Country, which are still a good team and everything, but if they put like uh, Jurassic Express against like a top heel team, and Luchasaurus goes off. Oh, that shit is fire. It's absolute fire. And it absolutely worked with Red Dragon. So, you know, bad gimmicks, like I said, they don't always work. But you got to try them out. You got to try them out. See what you get with that, you know? Where did you find a flashing pair of Wayfarers? What? what? Oh, oh, these. Oh, these. Um, Yeah, that's uh, that's a trade secret there. When, you, uh, when you're a top, a top wrestling fan that uh that you get this shit on lock all right that's all i'm saying will one day you'll get there when you're in the a-list tsa pre-check section of wrestling that is the day you'll get a pair of these my good friend i have tsa pre-check you didn't have it first you didn't have it first will and that's all that matters in this business if you're not first you're then well i don't know if you're last I, there's a lot of uh, i'm just saying i'm just saying yeah, you know you know, uh, but good match. Good match, though. I had honestly, I had fun with this one. It did what it needed to do. And it's also interesting because we weren't done with it afterwards either because Red Dragon definitely came and laid out Jurassic uh, Jurassic Express with chairs. And they are greeted by all uh, all teams as FTR. Who uh, Another theme that uh, oh, is, so fucking, good. is a fucking bop. Oh, and... it's a banger, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a banger. Um, I... Just be glad you didn't cut to the meme. <laughs> nah, that that theme goes so hard. Um, I, I I absolutely love the FTR theme, and they are so over. Uh, and it's funny because like, it's only there are only still baby faces in the minds of the fans. Nothing on screen has turned them yet at all, uh, and, and we're still not quite there yet. Like that moment will come when they turn on MJF. That moment will come when they end up hitting the uh, the good night. Uh, no, what is it called now? Uh, the big rig. When they hit the big rig on uh, MJF, I can't. That move has had three different names because yeah, it was originally it's hard to keep up. it was originally the Shatter Machine. Then they changed it to the Good Night Express, and then when Brody died, it became the big rig. Uh, so, I got a question for you on this though. I am very curious about. Uh, Because this, to me, seems like it's the longest time that we've had anybody, team, or singles competitor who has only gone, like, either face or heel run, like, almost their entire career. 
and this is like the first big change. And like, I'm gonna discount the shit in the WWE because I didn't really pay attention to the end of their WWE run. Like, I saw some of the Randy Orton stuff and everything, but after that, I didn't really pay much attention to it. But is FTR one of the only acts in professional wrestling recently that has kept that one one well, path? I felt I feel like when they came in, they came in as faces. Really? Uh, when they when they first came into AEW, because they yeah, they, I feel like they were faces for maybe like two months because they turned Ooh. on um the Rock and Roll Express when they hit uh Ricky Morton with the the good with the big rig and then that was like the and then they paired with Tully Blanchard and like were officially crowned like heels. I I I know a lot of people were saying they were kind of tweeners that they were that's the way I interpreted it for right, sure. Because there was no real crowd anyway. So like yeah. who's to say who was who they were aligned with I, sure. I don't know but it felt like like they did that eight-man tag where it was the butcher and the blade and um the lucha bros who were all the heels versus um the young bucks as baby faces and ftr uh so i don't know uh, oh speaking of which i will say this if you guys haven't seen the results of um this week's uh aw dark elevation i recommend it is a much bigger episode than most Dark Elevation episodes have been. Uh, I was just kind of blown away by how much was on that show. Uh, the first thing, um, and I tweeted about it, was Chris Statlander's kind of heel turn. Uh, if it's not a heel turn, it's definitely a more aggressive Chris. And I feel like it probably wasn't intended to start as a heel turn, but since Layla Hirsch is now injured because they were doing the Layla Hirsch, Chris Statlander yeah. stuff, it's like, well, now she's hurt. So Chris <laughs> just has to go heel. That feud, that feud turned everybody heel because Red Vel Velvet's heel now too, right? Yeah, she is, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> somehow fighting Layla Hirsch turned all of them heel. Including Layla? <laughs> including Layla Hirsch. Yeah, like you just can't do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chris Statlander, the way she came out, her music hit and it's new music. It was a neutron. The, there were no alien graphics. There was nothing alien about her. The way she walked to the ring was very, uh, was very pointed. Uh, she, uh, the way she wrestles in the match is very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And, and then she wins and just kind of stares down the hard camera in a very, that felt like a, a heelish fashion. Um, and I thought. I know where this is going because this match has to air after Battle of the Belts. They're setting her up for the new uh, big bad, big for, bad for, for Thunder Rosa, I think. Yep. Uh, and it was actually I, th I thought this was a great uh, turn. The other thing too was uh, the uh, Andrade family office makes their way to the ring, and first Top Flight comes out, and they announce it's an eight-man tag. And I went, wait, who could Top Flight possibly be teaming with? And I literally yell out loud, wait, are they teaming with the Hardys? And then the Hardy music hits like instantly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought Top Flight in this instance, in, a, in most dark AEW dark settings, would be the top build team on a babyface setting because they're one of the top babyface teams. And I thought, unless, and I was like, what team would come out after them that's bigger than Top Flight? And then that's when I yelled out, are they teaming with the Hardys? And then the Hardys make their way out. I thought, okay, uh, that's what we're doing here. That's, this is actually pretty great. Uh, so um, that's that's a match to look forward to. But honestly, uh, I thought Alan Angels versus uh, Andrade was also very good. And I'm shocked at how over 
Alan Angels is. And I was also shocked at how many people in that particular crowd watch the Sammy Guevara vlogs. Um, and I say that because, uh. Uh, and I'm going to bring that around to the next thing. There it is. Because, because uh, one, all the people, there was literally, I kid you not, during uh, Alan Angels versus Andrade, there's an A's in the chat. A's in the chat chant, and I thought, no fucking way. <laughs> like, there's no fucking way that all of this stuff is like over with people. But then also, um, Sean Dean made his way down to the ring during the commercial break. And I swear to you, there were people all around the arena just going, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he's like, Look at he's turning around looking at people and smiling when he hears it because he knows what they're referencing and and how much the Sean Dean skits from the Sammy Guevara vlog have gotten over. Oh. And so it it was just it was kind of cool. Uh but Sean Dean versus MJF. Some were wondering, is this the end of the line for Sean Dean's luck against the Pinnacle? Of course, in his first match with MJF. Uh, CM Punk made his way down and hit Sean Dean with the go to sleep, thereby getting MJF disqualified. That made Sean Dean 1-0 and on Dynamite this year. Sean Dean, of course, having been with AEW the last two years. Sean Dean, friend of Grapsity. Friend of mine, actually. Um, I like Sean Dean. He, he uh, I, I just, I love Sean Dean. Um, he is such a great guy. Uh, and, but... Of course, Sean Dean one and zero on Dynamite, and then last week he faces uh, Sean Spears. Sean Spears um, uh, gets distracted by Wardlow's presence, and Sean Dean rolls him up one two three. He gets the victory. MJF decides he's got to go back and get these wins back over Sean Dean. This time we have another match. Um, it was kind of predictable that, uh, okay. Um, you know, you could have just said that T. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to wreck shit now. Yeah. <laughs> I got this, I see T looking down and I get a message from, from <laughs> Hey man, I'm trying to keep up the mystery, the, the, the mystique now. And no, everything. go get your, go get that package that's at the door that you got to sign for. My man, right back. <laughs> um, anyway, folks, right, I'm going to turn back over to the, the chat and, and see what we've got here. Because uh, Orion says, I really thought that Red Dragon was going to win the belts because of Jungle Boy volunteering the shot. The ending, se uh, the ending sequence made me forget that. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I actually did like the ending sequence in that match a lot. Uh, and I didn't even give that match a, a rating because I thought that match was a solid B+. Um, and Ricardo, the bot guy, says, uh, I hope BF slims down uh, to just uh, Chuck and Trent again. Yeah, because obviously with best friends, they no longer have uh, Wheeler. And uh, although um, Rocky... Uh, of course, you know, because it's all there, there's all still the chaos in the mix. Uh, there was a match that saw Rapungi Vice uh, wrestling. Um, I want to say it was Nick Camarado. All right, Aaron Solo, welcome back. Uh, yeah. So, Whew. 
Either way, um, talking about MJF versus Sean Spears. Uh, Storytelling so, was real in this match, too. Yeah, no, these these have been some of the best stuff happening on Dynamite, and they're not even, like, real matches, but this is great, great shit. Uh, the crowd is way into this. The crowd, uh, the second these matches start, is all about Wardlow. They just want Wardlow. They chant for Wardlow, but they also chant it for Sean Dean. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we see Wardlow, we see backstage security's been taken out, and, and MJF makes his way. Uh, he starts looking all around, like, where is he? Where is he? Uh, and he doesn't see him. Thinks the coast is clear, and then security guy reveals himself, pulls off his mask, pulls off his hood. It's revealed that the security guy is Wardlow, and uh, he chases MJF down. He beats the shit out of Sean Spears. They really brought security to him. Um, And I was wondering, because I had seen a whole lot of uh, independent talent at this show, a lot of them, and I was wondering the whole time, why was there so much indie book talent when like Elevation didn't have that many matches with this many indie guys? Um, and I was wondering. Somebody's got a bump. All night. But then it hit me as soon as they sent this whole massive brigade down and <laughs> Wardlow is just taking them all out. And it looks so badass as he's doing it. But eventually the numbers overcome him and he is being held down by like 20 guys. But in the process of doing that, they have blocked MJF's path to getting back in the ring. (laughs) (laughs) And so MJF gets counted out and he loses again to Sean Dean. Again. Uh Again. that, That was such great shit. Like, I felt like the count out was the natural next step. But I couldn't think of the smartest way to do that. Yeah. Like, why would MJF like just be in the crowd or anything like that? Like, I didn't want him taken out. So how does he get counted out here? And I thought he can't um, get back. Yeah. Yeah. I thought just in a way where like MJF thinks he's outsmarted Wardlow because he's got Wardlow trapped, but then in getting Wardlow trapped, also MJF can't get back in the ring. I thought it was great shit. He grabbed the mic, of course, and offered to triple whatever. Uh, Tony Khan is paying Bryce Remsburg to not count the 10, but he ends up counting the 10. Uh, and the way like Bryce thinks about it stops and then is like, nah, screw it, 10. And, uh, and then he counts him out. It was great stuff. You know, there is a storyline here that I, I so think they could follow with. They won't do, and they shouldn't do it at all. But man, the shit with Sean Dean and the pinnacle over the last like year, year and a half or so, it's giving me such flashbacks to like what it was, what was evolution versus who it was like a bunch of guys and Maven. You remember that? Yeah, <laughs> and like they win that Survivor Series match or with Cyber Tuesday or some bullshit like that. And it's like everybody gets a wish of their choice. And oh yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was evolution versus um, it was like Benoit uh, Maven. It was Benoit Maven Jericho. Was it uh, Eugene? Um, no, because I don't think Eugene got the book of show. I know Randy was on that team. It was team, so it was team Orton versus team Triple H. And, okay, uh, yeah, and team Orton got um got to select all their stuff. And yeah, Maven was on that team. And I remember because like Maven like had the whole thing. It was like, don't take the title shot. You could join Evolution and everything. And like, man, do I ever get like I've been getting flashbacks with that with Sean Dean. Like, you know, the pinnacle is not going to last obviously long enough to ever get there. But God, would that be so much fun to have Sean Dean make that heel turn and get brought into the pinnacle for no reason except to be 
the Pinnacle's newest member as the guy who's been beating them for the last year and a half now. So yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so we had every member of the team, by the way, because it was only four on four that year. Yeah, uh, it, I was like, was it who's the fifth? But that's because there wasn't a fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Orton, Benoit, Jericho, and Maven versus Team Triple H, which was Hunter, Batista, Edge, and Gene Snitsky. Uh, <laughs> and, God. Uh, Ugh. So, Ugh. so we then saw uh, uh, the MJF just kind of furious, and he's and, and uh, Wardlow says that he's not going to stop until uh, MJF releases him from his contract. Uh, and MJF later in the show, uh, he has Mark Sterling with him. Mark Sterling reveals, "Hey, um, he's still under contract to you." You don't just have to keep him out the arena. You could book him Put in the matches. matches. Yep. Yeah. So he booked the match of uh, uh, Wardlow versus uh, the Butcher, who, which we will see next week uh, on Dynamite. Anyway, I give that segment. That segment's actually solid A. Um, I know that I tend to reserve that for like really great matches, but it wasn't just that. I think the Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details match itself is irrelevant here i think really an investment here and and also seeing my dude get wins like that uh and because we know mjf like those matches don't get wasted so we're not focusing on on that match it's everything around that match right and like i thought mjf wasn't uh i I thought mjf would be in line for getting the title like really soon but now in the way that he keeps losing uh he is like he would have to work his way back from these losses which yep. is actually great um so yeah shout out this i was a big fan uh and next we saw a six-man tag match uh which saw chris jericho of the jericho uh appreciation the jericho appreciation society. society taking on eddie kingston santana and ortiz they had added a new intro to the Jericho Appreciation <laughs> Society. They added the fucking old... The most w- recognized symbol in sports entertainment. The old WWF 95 intro. <laughs> it's golden. It is yeah. fucking golden, man. Yeah. I will say Jericho Appreciation Society is very much working for me. I think Dan Garcia especially it's working yes. for. I think that... You know, I've always loved Daniel Garcia as a performer, but it felt like he didn't have much going for him in terms of uh, there wasn't much to sink your teeth into as far as a character. And I think him being so known on the indies as Red Death, you know, a guy who just is known for kicking your ass. And it's like, no, we're going to flip that on its head and he's going to be a sports entertainer. And the coolest, not coolest, cool is not the right word, but like what I love about the story of this match as well, too, is we got to see a segment earlier in the show with uh, Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful uh, taking out 2.0. 
so that yes. the match would actually have even odds for once when this goes down. Because that's been the story of this is that Kingston and two point uh, Kingston and Proud and Powerful just can't overcome the Jericho Appreciation Society due to numbers. And right. so what do and, they do? And, they illegally, and, illegally at that, I'll have you know, that was a legal move. You cannot drive a car as a public person on any, any air, like airstrip or anything like that. So first of all, they're breaking the rules right there, Mr. Washington. But Kingston and, uh, and Proud and Powerful illegally attacked 2.0, evening up the odds. They're great tactic. But illegal yeah. as shit. Sir. Although I can't help but wonder, like, at some point they need another team to help they them. Do. And they do. And who is that really going do. to end up being? Homicide. Um, homicide. Homicide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, are Homicide and Hernandez going to yes. show up? Yes. Uh, and, yes. And finally complete this entire package. Uh, and then this that's when shit, we get the five and five. It's going to be spectacular spectacular because i don't see any other way they could go like i'm sure they could find somebody random in there like give it two weeks they'll put darby and sting in that role there but fuck that get us homicide and hernandez <laughs> and get that shit going y'all that would actually be kind of cool and the, the yeah. crazy thing is is that um they're both free agents and that is yep. actually very doable and uh, of course homicide has a rich 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 history with ring of honor if you yep. really wanted to of course honor somebody who's got, had major contributions to ring of honor and use him f for things outside of this he's yeah. actually um a very worthwhile investment in terms of having the value of uh what homicide brings to the table so i don't know i i actually don't know what the the next step is but like to me i would go with homicide and hernandez i would uh what's the chat saying uh a couple of notes from the chat um got a big old super chat here uh thank you bridget uh <laughs> says theron is making me laugh so hard today thank you i really needed it today you wait till you find out about the other will uh, will our project they have coming just wait oh, no. just wait i'm timing it well it's coming All right. <laughs> All right, uh, and Orion Ben six 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 says the Daniel Garcia Kurt Angle celebration after getting the tainted win. The kid gets it. I was laughing hard at that. He's um, so good. He's so good, man. Yeah, I and I thought that the match was was standard six man tag affair. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I Santana and Ortiz are are always going to be crowd favorites, um, and. It seemed like they had it won till Jericho, of course, uses the bat after a distraction from 2.0, who did eventually make their way back down. Shoeless, I might <laughs> add. Uh, they did make their way back down, and Jericho used Floyd the bat to uh, to get the victory, get a tainted victory. And yeah, <laughs> Dan Garcia, then the way he celebrates, all tainted, all tainted. And uh, so are they getting the blood and guts match? Is that where we're going with this? Is that they're the ones getting the blood and guts I, match? I don't know. I mean, and yeah, that's the thing is Tony said that uh, that match is happening this summer. Mm -hmm. um, if I were Tony, I would probably give that match to St. Louis just mm. because you robbed them of full gear. Uh, yeah. They were supposed to get full gear. They, uh, they It was already announced. And then... Full gear got changed to Minneapolis, and you told St. Louis, I promise you, uh, I will make this show up to you. And so St. Louis does have a dynamite coming at the end of June. Um, that could work timing-wise. I would say 
that would be the time to do it. I would do it there in in St. Louis if I were. Uh, plus, look, man, St. Louis, they haven't had a great year. They had the Royal Rumble this year. And that oh, that's all you got to say. That's all you got to say. I know. The motherfuckers are coming back from the Depression on that one now, man. <laughs> Jesus. Pro wrestling been dead in that town for a little bit now because yeah. of that shit. Yeah, I remember back in my day, we got good professional wrestling, not these Royal Rumble grapplers. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally yeah, folks mean. coming out of St. Louis are saying this year now. Shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then we got uh, well, what was the next thing on the show? Um, oh, oh, nice. announcing. Well, I get you talked about it, but them announcing Butcher will be uh be the one yeah, facing right. uh Wardlow on uh on Dynamite, which be exciting. Yay for Butcher. I fucking love Butcher and the Blade. So, you know, yeah. yay for that. Gonna get uh, demolished. And then we had uh Sky Blue, a favorite amongst fans, um, taking on Marina Shafir. And uh this was of course the TV debut of Marina Shafir. Marina Shafir is being built up to take on um, the uh, so she's being built up to take on Jade Cargill for the TBS championship and then I'm going to bring the graphic back and act like Theron didn't just do anything while um, (laughs) (laughs) as if we could hear all that shuffling Uh, oh by the way uh, sorry I keep forgetting to give ratings so the the last match um, that one for me um that was kind of a, a it's a C. It passed. It, it, there wasn't much to it, um, and that was kind of it. Give it a B minus, just because I really did enjoy. Uh, I enjoyed the fun, the, the fun of that match a little bit more there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so yeah, talking about uh, Marina versus uh, Sky Blue. Yeah, um, so it is important to talk about in this match because there's been a lot of discourse about this match, especially uh, since going on there. And I don't think folks understand that sometimes it's cool when you get a wrestler who is, you know, MMA trained or BJJ trained or any kind of martial arts trained to maybe act like they fucking know how to work that style and that that can actually be interesting and different. And it's not actually a botch to play good defense and have good map mechanics to reverse some shit, which is the way that uh, Marina Shafir was wrestling in this match. And folks are like, oh, it's botch heavy. And this was, this is bad. It's like, no, they, they have good chemistry. Like their, their match was perfectly fine with Sky Blue. It's just, she's showing off what she knows how to do. And that was I, fine. I didn't mind the match. Um, but again, I, uh, to talk about what I was saying earlier, that wrestling is a game of crowd investment and pleasing the crowd. And not only did they not give a fuck, the only chant in this match was baddie section. Baddie <laughs> section. And uh, and I guess there were some people chanting for Sky Blue. I don't know that people know that Marina Shafir is supposed to be like liked here. Um, and so, yeah, that wasn't obvious. That yeah. definitely was, wasn't obvious. And so I feel like this was a whiff. Uh, I still, regardless of the quality of the match, I didn't feel like anything connected with the fans. And therefore, uh, this one to me just, 
is a D. Um, and I, I, I was, I'm interested in an alliance with Red Velvet and Jade Cargill and Kiera Hogan. I liked seeing them in the baddie section because one, they're baddies, and two, um, you know what? They've both gotten their asses kind of kicked over the last year by Jade Cargill, and we can't uh, beat them, join them. Yeah, and it would kind of make sense that, like, you know what? We respect Jade. We we know what Jade's all about. We're actually going to align ourselves with her, and uh, so I like them being in the baddie section, and I hope they do form an alliance. And they also did just post a TikTok. Um, the three also, of them, yep, baddies. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. And uh, so everything about that was was great but as far as the segment was concerned i just thought this was a whiff uh this one gets a d not the way to present present her as a face because i'll tell you i absolutely didn't pick that up in the least bit at all now that was a terrible way to present her as a face for sure yeah and the other thing too is uh i think the crowd is gonna have a bigger attachment to jade just by way of marina being an outsider and jade being uh somebody that they've spent that they've gotten to watch AEW fans have gotten to watch since the day she had her first ever match uh, regardless of how they're supposed to feel about Jade Cargill I think there is a hey she's ours and so yeah. uh, we watched her develop from day one we know Jade Cargill so either which way- I know it's so early in like this feud they're doing and everything but I can't imagine the goal is to put Marina over like uh, across like Jade. So it's like, if the goal is just to build, like build Jay Cargill up a little bit, I would have wished, like if you're trying to get like somebody to get cheered for over Jade, they would have brought in somebody who has that following there. So that's probably their biggest mistake with this, but we'll see. We'll see. It's so early in this right now. We'll see. Um, The next match though, was basically what the crowd came for. Uh, And we saw, in a tag match, Ricky Starks teaming up with Powerhouse Hobbs, Team Taz, as they're known, taking on Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. This match. So, here's the thing. Obviously, for those that don't know, I I know quite well three of the guys in this match. And uh, I have talked to all four since this match. I guess without outing too much, I will say that the feeling and the sense of accomplishment that every guy involved in this is feeling right now uh, is through the roof. Um, And actually, I'm discrediting somebody. All five guys in this match. Uh, because, of course, referee Stefan Smith. This was the, the blackest thing to ever take place on AEW Dynamite. Um, and uh, <laughs> we had referee Stefan Smith. We had Ricky Starks. We had uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. We had Swerve Strickland. We had Keith Lee. And I thought they fucking killed it. Um, first off. Crowd was here for Ricky Starks. They oh, were here for Ricky Starks yeah. from the start. Uh, although I won't say a hundred percent because Swerve had his fans too. Uh, there were the some Who's House Swerve's House chants, and they weren't started by me. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I call bullshit on that. <laughs> the, the second one was, but the first one, I was actually kind of surprised because I was looking up thinking, you know what? Swerve might just have to work heel tier tonight because if you know Ricky, Ricky's hometown, uh, I wasn't expecting him to get really anything from this crowd. And he still did. <laughs> For uh, clarification, I want I just want to point out as well, I'm not saying that nobody would start the Swerve's house chat because Swerve is fucking awesome. I'm just saying if William R. caught wind of anybody <laughs> trying to start that shit before he does, not not the time. No, homie. Honestly, That's going to be Will. I looked up and I heard it and I was like, oh, what? Who the okay. fuck said that? No, I don't <laughs> lie. That's the first thing. Who the fuck said that before I did? You know you're looking around, ready with the hand to go now, too. Like, ah, I catch you, motherfucker. No, I got I, you. Honestly, I'm just so happy to see him over, and I want to see him over with people, so it, it always makes me happy. But, yeah, uh, crowd was was into this match 100%, and I thought it made the um, I thought it made the atmosphere so great. Uh, and having talked with the guys about this match, there's a couple of stories that I hope one day they tell about it because – there was some awesome shit that kind of went into the making of it. Uh, but I just thought that, um, you know, it's funny. Keith Lee and Swerve teamed in the indies. I've always said, and by always, I mean maybe just like two days ago, I said. Uh, but I've always felt I've always felt it. But I didn't say it until like two days ago. But... Uh, that 2017 is probably my favorite period of indie wrestling. That I thought that indie wrestling was on fire in 2017. I think just the amount, and like all those guys ended up getting signed eventually, right? But like when you look at that year and you look at kind of who was dominating the indies, it was the Young Bucks, it was Kenny Omega, it was Swerve, it was Keith Lee. It was like pretty much everybody who ended up either joining AEW or NXT, um, they were dominating the indies through 2017. And I feel like 2017 to me is the one of the strong, like obviously I think there's two really strong indie wrestling periods. I think either that 2016, 2017 period or like 2005, 2006 with like CM Punk and Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe. Like I think every about 10 years, we get like a generation of indie talent that it dominates the standards of pro wrestling for years to come. And I feel like the current generation started with that period. Anyway, I said all that to say the neat thing is that with indie wrestling, not everybody follows indie wrestling. And so when I know that Keith Lee and Swerve have teamed before and they have a number of spots they do together, but they have not gotten to do that stuff on television. And so it's all uh, fresh and new for all, a lot of it's people. It's all fresh and new for a lot of people, and they all get to get amazed. So when I saw Swerve setting up the backflip spot off of Keith Lee's chest, I was like, I looked around, and I'm like, oh, nobody's seen this. They don't know what he's about to do. Because, like, everybody's like, what, what is happening? Like, a head scratcher. And then they all go, oh, what had happened? And I thought, oh, this is dope. None of you guys have seen this before. <laughs> I'll tell you, man. I'm surprised that he did a backflip because in pro wrestling, we call that shit a moonsault, Will. So I'm just saying, you know, oh. like if you want to, <laughs> like, again, sir, we're talking about sports entertainment here. Let's get the terms right. There, That wasn't a backflip. That was a moonsault, sir. Just saying. Sorry. Just saying. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But the way, and then of course he landed and in, uh, in very swerve fashion, like he's so smooth and everything he does. Um, but crowd was into that. They were very into Keith Lee. Um, 
And the thing that I give this match the absolute most credit for, the, the coolest thing in this match, is that the stars of this match were Keith Lee, who was very over. You heard the crowd. Uh, it was definitely Ricky Starks. Very over. You heard the crowd. And Swerve, who, of course, has his fans. Um, but I felt like Hobbs came into this match kind of a background player and it's almost as if he got they, elevated it's almost as if they knew that because ultimately the the rub of the match all went to him and so with all of these guys being as over as they are to now use all of that to put will hobbs over i thought that was the coolest thing to come out of this match because will hobbs hit that fucking gorgeous spine buster oh, on a 300 so on a 350 pound man uh and he was tripped up by by taz which like it was such a such a smooth transition yeah. he goes to the ropes gets tripped up by taz and then gets planted with the spine buster one two three but the spine buster looked so good um the fact that those are both two behemoths and the ring shook from it and it, it all looked good it sounded good it was so clean um, and even if it hadn't been clean, it's like it still would have been fine. But the fact that he, he got him up and over the way he did, he got him up the way he pivoted on that uh, on that leg and turns him uh, and just plants him. Like I said, three extremely over guys. It's not that Will Hobbs isn't over, but I'd say, like I said, he was definitely lower on the rung as this match went on. But he came out of it. He gained the most from this match, and I just thought that that is truly effective booking here of these guys it's the right way and it also i i think uh like ricky starks obviously doesn't need much of the rub or anything because that man like he can talk he can he can wrestle like he is the like he's got that whole package together but especially putting them in this spot on the card for dynamite and giving them this kind of showing just wonders for all four of these guys man like these guys are going to go places with this. I don't know where this feud's going. I mean, I don't know if ultimately this is set to be centered around like the FTW title or if it's just like one of those, just, you know, it's a blood feud and everything that's going to get like rubbed off here in the next few weeks or whatever. But I'm loving what's happening between Team, team Taz and Keith Lee and Swerve right now. It's yeah, so good. I am too. And this was so good. And um, another spot that was really cool was the uh, Swerve hitting the 450 um right on um, him yeah. yeah right on ricky starks uh i loved keith lee holding him as he did it too like nah you're not going nowhere you're about to take this heat right oh, i loved it loved was, it man yeah such a great spot uh no are you kidding me this gets a solid solid a from me um there is nothing uh, not a whole lot i would change about this except the fact that uh I'd love to see it on pay-per-view. Um, I felt like, no, the only thing I would change, the only thing that like, doesn't get this an A-plus for me, one little camera angle. Okay. Where um, uh, Keith Lee pounces um, uh, Ricky out of the air. Yeah. I feel like the way it was seen on TV didn't look great. It did. From no. my angle, that looked excellent. <laughs> from my angle, I saw it from the side. I saw the way he hit him. I thought that was great. And that's the reason the crowd reacted effectively because it looked great but when you see it just from behind uh and you're just seeing the back of keith lee like i feel like it didn't look as good 
Yeah. Uh, but I thought that spot was great too. Um, no, I thought they did everything in this match to elevate who needed to be elevated. I think that um, the right people went over and uh, and everybody in it got to look great and got to ha- have kind of their, their biggest showing. And I will tell you, like I said, there was uh, a feeling having talked to everybody who was in this match and I talked to every single one of them. There was a feeling of black excellence in the air. Uh, they were just all elated at what they had pulled off here. Um, and I was so proud of everybody uh, just for what they have done with this match. And I am the way that the crowd loved it. No complaints whatsoever. And the right team won too. I mean, um, because I don't actually think Keith Lee or Swerve needed any kind of win here. They're like, because they're staying right where they're at there. But I think Team Taz like consistently needs to have those big wins in order to not necessarily keep them relevant, but at least keep them shown as like being like this big imposing force. So they absolutely want the right winners on this for certain. Um, Yeah, love the match. Loved everybody involved. The spots in it were absolutely fantastic just everything about this match was so 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 good yeah yeah uh, i'm surprised you didn't give it the s ranking uh because i'd give it an a as well too so yeah I, I was i was happy i was just very happy with it so i'm looking at the uh the quarter hours um to see how the show performed ratings wise uh but so then we got to the main event you oh, may want to oh. you may want to check check your uh your your dms really quickly now, sir oh no um what am i <laughs> i don't even want to put this on my screen oh my god <laughs> uh, <laughs> Paul all right so uh go ahead i want you to run the next ad <laughs> so folks we'll be right back here Today after Dynamite, after a brief message from our local sponsors. And uh, (laughs) coming this Monday on the next episode of everybody's favorite Monday night sitcom, Where There's a Will, AEW superstar Swerve Strickland is going to guest star as Uncle Shane. Watch all the hilarious hijinks of the Washington family and see what trouble they get into this Monday night on BET on Where There's a Will, 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday on BET. BET, we're black. That's not even the right time, 7 p.m. Central. <laughs> it would be 8, 7, Central. Look, look, look. I'm just going to let you know. At BET, we don't wonder, we don't worry about those things. I'm just going to let you know, right? All right? It's it's good enough to break things, all right? Well, we don't need to worry about constructs like time at BET. Oh, all right? <laughs> Make sure we're on the same page. So uh, y'all can check that out Monday nights where there's a will. AEW superstar Swerve Strickland is uh, the guest star of this, uh, this episode. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. They got that kid from Young Rock in there, too. He's going to say the same thing. What do you say? Acknowledge me. He's going to do that shit, too. Everyone's going to be there. It's going to be your favorite new sitcom, y'all. Check it out. Check it out. It's great. Where there's something else. Thank you. Thank you. What else is there to even go with but the main event? Minoru Suzuki taking on Samoa Joe. Kaze Nina Ray. 
the fans got their the entrance. Samoa Joe got to um, face Minoru Suzuki. And Man, you know, years back, would you would you have thought this is something we would get to see? This motherfucker has been wrestling nor on TV regularly for like the last what last year at this point now. What Suzuki? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, his his U.S. tour has just been insane. He's literally wrestling like tonight, um, in in California. I think. Uh, let that man wrestle forever, yo! Like literally, let him wrestle forever, dude. Ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, I saw the best description of this match in that uh, somebody on Twitter described this match as a turn-based wrestling match. In that, <laughs> God damn, that's gonna be stuck too. That is stuck because I can see that <laughs> this match would be like if wrestling were a turn-based fighting game, and you get to select your next attack. Oh my lord! Um, because that's that's how this this match went down, and that's how a lot of Suzuki matches have gone down. They're they're turn-based wrestling matches. You your menu pops up, you get to select, dick dick chop. And then, <laughs> and what's your gotta, opponent get to select? You gotta have, you have to have enough, uh, enough exposure though. Exposures when the crowd cheers. You have to have five exposures yeah. to play finisher in the match, though. All right, make sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, I do want to read some super chats though before we um, let's get it. Uh, before we get there, because uh, you did get to Van Twinblade. <laughs> uh, because Van Twinblade, our our St. Louis resident, uh, said, "Theron, you best get down here to St. Louis on April 30th and apologize to me after St. Louis versus the World Wrestling's dead in St. Louis." Side eye. Um, well, Van Twinblade, I don't fly to any town that doesn't have TSA pre-check or doesn't offer Southwest A-list because I am an A-lister. I will never be in your town on April 30th because I am working. And when you're an A-lister <laughs> like me, when you got TSA pre-check like a guy like me, when you like horror movies like a guy like me, you don't go to stank B-list towns like St. Louis. We go to St. Louis has a <laughs> shut up, Will. You shut up, Will. We go to Idaho in this bitch. All right. Group A. All right. <laughs> I'll see you in Idaho, Van Twinblade. Ricardo says Marina was slow in plotting IMO. I got bored here. Um Yeah, I can see that. But anyway, the match. Suzuki versus Joe. Their chess got lit, lit, lit up god man and uh yeah they were just how did the crowd like because tv is one thing and it seemed like the crowd ate that shit up but like how loud really was it during that chat fest uh chop fest because i saw you standing up during that as well yeah, yeah. like yeah and, and the crowd was way into it the, the crowd was very much into it and uh i feel like the only chant that I was expecting that we didn't get was murder grandpa, murder <laughs> grandpa. And like the crowd's chanting, Joe's going to kill you. And I'm like, you know what? Like he's 53. Like 
He might. He might. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he might actually kill you. Uh, um, Joe won with the muscle buster. Um, you know, I, I know that the move got banned because uh, of TJ. the injury to, to, to Tyson Kidd. But yeah. also, um, I, I feel like Tyson Kidd has kind of been fourth with his blessing of continuing to use the move. That he knows mm-hmm. that you know accidents have happened in pro wrestling, and that's what this was. Um, but Joe has hauled it back out. Crowd loves it. He won, and so here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> so AEW had been promoting, specifically Tony Khan had been promoting a, a an overrun of this show. So what we saw here was basically the show end on time. And then the two-minute overrun happens, and that's where things got interesting. So, of course, we see, we see uh, Sanjay Dutt and, um, uh, Jay Lethal. and, and Jay Lethal uh, distract Samoa Joe. Lights go out. They come back on, and crowd is all like, who is it? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And it was... Former NBA player Satnam Singh. And uh, the <sighs> crowd definitely didn't know who that was. Rightfully so. And to the point of where they were chanting, We don't know you. We don't know you. And that's how the show went off the air. Here's the funny thing. After the show is over, Sanjay Dutt grabs the mic and explains who he is. And the crowd then chants, Still don't know you. <laughs> Still don't know you. Ah. Oh. So of course, um, for those who haven't seen the the fightful select story, um, the the story was of course that, uh, and again, fightfulselect.com. Um, the story was that this was done, um, basically with, basically in mind. Um, AEW Dynamite runs on Eurosport in India. India, um, of course, a huge pro wrestling market. In India, also tends to gravitate toward Indian wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Proof of that. Although that didn't quite work for Jinder Mahal. They wanted it to, didn't. If you look up Great Kali videos on YouTube, those things are oh. nearing like fucking a billion views. Um, they do insane numbers yes they do uh, and as a matter of fact i want to look up one right now like i i um let's see there's a lit there's one video called um the great Kali destroys legends uh has 101 million views on youtube uh the great Kali's debut 101 million views on youtube the great Kali returns to assist jinder mahal in the pujambi prison match 15 million views uh and it's like one of the easiest things because Great Kali was doing like he did numbers over in India. Anyway, so um, the the whole deal here was that uh, Eurosport is owned by Discovery. Discovery, uh, of course, just bought Warner Media. Um, Warner Media is, of course, the company that owns T- TBS TNT. Now, there's a whole lot of synergy happening here um, between everything going on. And literally, that two-minute overrun 
was a segment designed for the uh and let me make sure i'm phrasing this correctly as because i'm gonna uh, rip it apart <laughs> yeah go, go ahead um but i i will tell you um i'm just here's the thing uh i was specifically just talking about um my story in that uh that this was about increasing the uh the indian presence of uh with eurosport and with um with building kind of a especially with this this two minute overrun um getting kind of a a, a social media moment getting something that would do some numbers on on youtube and really trying to appeal to that massive indian wrestling fan audience uh with the deal they have with eurosport through discovery who is now the parent company of tnt i mean here's the thing i i like i'm not gonna give tony khan shit about it because i get it like it's it's vince mcmahon literally does it all the fucking time for the same reasons so i understand you have masters to serve and you have to do it just as long as tony khan has the understanding vince mcmahon doesn't have that that doesn't work for us over here. As long as he's under, and it might, I, I'm fine with it. I'm perfectly fine with it. Push dude to the moon. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. It's probably not. But like, as long as Tony Khan understands, that's not for us. That's okay. That's well, okay. So it, it's funny you say that. Push dude to the moon. So my thought here is, um, well, does he have to be, or does he just need to be a heater for Jay Lethal? Does he just need to be like a bodyguard for Jay Lethal and protection for Sanjay Dutt? I guess that's a good point because you know it's not that hard to get Jay Lethal heat these days, and that's a good way of and that's a good way of bringing it on to it. There, just have every single match of his in and do coming out and you know beating the crap out of uh, out of guys because he's so big. So you know if he's the new almost, all right, cool. We'll yeah, come. like I. I don't know what he's going to bring to the table as a pro wrestler. I have zero idea. Um, the only thing I know is uh, why this took place. <laughs> um, and that's that's all I can give it. As far as did I enjoy it? Um, no. And I was also in the arena literally like, okay, you can't go off the air with that. You, you have to go off the air with something else. And I'll give tony credit for how he went off or not off the air but how he sent the crowd home because had the crowd had to just go home with that i think there would have been this empty feeling of oh absolutely of what what yeah um, and uh so not only was there a feeling of what just happened literally nobody left their seat Everybody was like, you know how like people start making their way. Oh, to the absolutely, exits. yeah. Nobody made their way to the exits after that because they're like, that can't be it. So we're just gonna keep sitting here until <laughs> we figure out what the actual ending of the show is. And like literally, nobody budged. I was looking around and I'm like, we all know Dynamite's over. We all saw how the show went off. But y'all ain't leaving. But nobody has left their seat. Yep. Everybody is patiently trusting that something else has to happen here. <laughs> and there was this little feeling in me talking about, you know, the, the, the feeling of, I guess we've been abused for a long time because in my gut, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what if it really does just go like Justin Roberts just grabs the mic and go, all right, everybody get home safe. 
<laughs> That's it, guys. And I was like, no, <sighs> yeah, Justin Roberts does grab the mic, and Justin Gra- Roberts, uh, and yeah, and they're noting in the chat that um, that uh, he, he says, um, so Rutherf says, uh, I think this guy is a celebrity in India. So if you're gonna do it, uh, if you're gonna do this, it needed to be him. Uh, he's the only Indian to ever be drafted in the NBA. Um, so I'm not doubting that like this guy has like has that appeal over there. Like they could have picked anybody. I don't think it really like ultimately. I guess my opinion of this is that it didn't really matter who it would have been. Like I see a bunch of people saying uh, 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 Rohit Raju would be like good in that that position. I don't think it really matters who it would have been because this is Tony Khan clearly again playing to his masters right now, trying to actually like sell this new deal that's been made and get the more exposure in India. So I don't think it was going to be anybody we ever were going to care that much about no matter what ultimately. Well, I mean, I can see the statement though, that, you know, he is a, a big deal in India and sure. so in that case, um, I could see the idea being that, Hey, if we're going to do this, it, we need it to be somebody who does have some recognition uh and like the videos at almost 600,000 views um i could probably see it crossing a million uh and i don't know we'll we'll see how that does but yeah so after the show so the funny thing about this show for those unaware the tickets for this show went on sale 2 years ago they went on sale march 13th 2020 if that date is unfamiliar to you you may recall that march 13th 2020 was the day the pandemic began <sighs> Uh, that was because I have not been a full-time worker in an office since March 12th, 2020. So these tickets went on sale with the start of, uh, at the start of the pandemic, people bought these tickets, not knowing when the show was ever going to take place. Mm -hmm. The original advertised date was in May. It got moved to December of 2020. It got moved all throughout 2021. And then it finally got hit, moved to, uh, 2022. People held onto these tickets a very long time. And Tony Khan found a way to to turn that around in a promo. So he comes out and he goes, I thank you all for being patient with us for as much as the show got moved around. Thank you uh, for sticking with us. And he said, there's silver lining. If, he was like, think about what you saw on this show tonight. If this show had taken place when they originally were advertised, you would not have seen CM Punk. Crowd popped. He was like, you guys would not have seen... Um, Samoa Joe, crowd popped, and he said, and you wouldn't have seen this man, Brian Danielson. And Brian Danielson comes out, and <laughs> he gets the crowd going. And then Brian Danielson, then that leads to uh, Moxley and Wheeler Yuta coming out. And uh, What are they called, Will? What are their names? The Blackpool Combat Club. What are those uh, the initials? B- the BCC, or as Mark Henry accidentally <laughs> said, the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> oh never uh, change mark Henry. Yeah. never and change so the, the the blackpool combat club made their way out and john moxley cuts the promo talks about dynamite is the greatest show uh the greatest wrestling tv show and it's because AEW has the greatest fans thank you new orleans for being amazing uh and then they they were like but it's time to uh this was really about celebrating one person tonight one person who worked their ass off on the indie scene and has come home to New Orleans. Ladies and gentlemen, New Orleans is hero. And then Dan Housen comes out. <laughs> and then uh, uh, 
they 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 do some gags at Danhausen. Danhausen, uh, uh, they're like, no, we, we they're like, we didn't mean you. Um, and uh, they were like, Wheeler, is this a friend of yours? They're like, you can't be associated with people like this. Drop and give us ten. And so the and like uh, <laughs> and Wheeler Yuta does ten push-ups. Crowd chants along with it. And then they're like, no, we mean the real uh, New Orleans hero. And then Hook's music hits, and Hook comes out, and then he just like stands at the top of the stage, and then turns around and leaves. And they're like, let's try this one more time. The real hero of New Orleans. And then Ricky Starks' music hits. Crowd goes nuts. Ricky Starks starts to cut a promo about returning to New Orleans. He is interrupted by the acclaimed. Uh, Max Caster comes out, cuts a rap on um, uh, on Ricky Starks and New Orleans as a whole. Uh, there's a line in there that actually got cut because they uploaded all this to social media. But oh, okay, that, there's a line in there from Ricky St- or from uh, from uh, Max Caster that got cut. Uh, I thought Anthony Bowens he cuts a promo on everybody in the ring that was real good, and back and then Anthony Bowens is basically like, and now uh, I'm gonna send in Max Caster to take on all five of you. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Max Caster gets in the ring and takes everybody's finish, and they sent the crowd home with that. And that was just like a little fun, like twenty-minute segment that kept everybody happy, and they all got sent home with Ricky Starks' music playing, and uh, there were all high fives, pictures taken at ringside. Everybody's happy. They went home. Great shit. Um, and so yeah, there was no. I think that was a better way to send the crowd home because I think the crowd wasn't even like unhappy with what took place. They were more so like scratching their heads of like what just happened and why. And you don't um, want that confused feeling leaving uh, leaving that yeah. show, right? So uh, I had a good time. Uh, I had a great time in New Orleans. Uh, there's nothing more to it than that. Hey man, that was Hustle. that was dynamite. I give the the main event. See, I have to give the main event a whole as a segment because the match itself was fine, but mm-hmm. then I feel like the ending brought it down. So, like, then that makes this whole thing a C minus. Uh, whereas the match itself might have gotten at least a B plus. Uh, but then when I average the ending, which I give like a D, just because uh, the crowd didn't understand anything. Like, I almost thought that it probably would have been better if uh sanjay had like grabbed the mic and maybe explained he didn't even need to explain like if he just said and now you're gonna deal with this man yeah and uh and then say who he is but like to kind of expect the crowd i think there was uh just a lot of misreading of how that went you're generous man because i would absolutely give vince mcmahon an f for that's kind of uh that kind of situation and unfortunately this is no exception you're gonna do the same shit you're gonna get the same rating so this gets a big old battle a from me i'm Wait, kidding what no i'm fucking <laughs> <laughs> that's i was actually English. hoping i was really hoping you could somehow justify that uh no 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 this actually is gonna get a b plus for real z though because let's face it the match between suzuki and samoa joe really really was a really fun and interesting match it really actually was and i like the fact that the entire segment even though i hate that shit introducing this big you know giant takes out some other joe and everything i really enjoy the whole idea of the feeling of it all feeling very roh versus aew 
Um, I don't know if it's a good or bad to, to reference this, but the only point of reference I have is when WCW got bought out by WWE and we had that one Monday Nitro. And the whole idea moving forward was that, hey, you know, we're going to do like half Nitro on Raw and everything. Different commentators, announcers, all that shit. And, and that's one night. They, they did it one night. night and that was it. And I, I've been liking that feeling on the last like couple of shows and i hope we actually see that on a lot of newer like a lot of their shows going forward i know they're still figuring out roh's tv deal but i like that it didn't feel like this had to be a part of aew hey guess what roh gets this big old giant who might suck but he's got great appeal in india hey cool leave that with roh AEW doesn't have that shit roh is the one that's got to deal with that and that's okay with me that's okay. Yeah. So I can't give it too much shit there at all. Do you, TK? Make that money. That's what uh, A-listers <laughs> do, TK. So uh, B-plus to the last segment there on Dynamite. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's Dynamite. Uh, the show came in number three. Uh, I was just looking at the, uh, the show buzz daily. I think it did nine, uh, I want to say 950-something. So it's still down from last week. Uh, so let's see. Nine seventy seven was what it did. Um, it was nine seventy seven. The uh, the two playing games beat it. Were the only things above it, but it was the number three show on cable and uh, segment for segment. Um, I was looking at the uh, really, and see that's the funny thing is uh, the lowest rated segment was the that 15 minutes that saw the the last five minutes of the tag match um and the adam cole adam page uh build-up video because it's weird if you've never thought that there was an actual difference between aew and wwe viewers the the point i always like to look at is in aew historically video packages do very poorly hmm. um and matches do well the more you do a match the the longer a match is gone the better it does but for whatever reason um video packages in AEW just have not done well at all uh and that segment was um both the tag match and then that that video package which i thought was a great package uh i thought that we got some great stuff out of that but uh who knows but either way that's day after dynamite uh, I hope you got something out of this because I had fun. This was one of my most uh, fun episodes of Day After Dynamite. Uh, definitely come back next week. Uh, Theron Reynolds, hey, look, I made your name bigger than it was last time because I felt like you got shortchanged because I, I the, the lower thirds um, were much smaller uh, on that first episode. My dog. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, it was and, fun. And hold on. Uh, I want to point out something. Anika Wilson says, w AEW needs to steal one of WWE's video editor. Uh, they did. Um, I don't I don't know where this conception comes from that AEW's videos aren't as good as WWE's because AEW has uh, the person who had been making WWE's music videos, or not music videos, their video packages, since from 2004 till 2019, that person works uh for wwe now you actually um, just told me that i feel now too yeah that person has worked for aew since the beginning actually but that person had made video packages like the person who made like the the eddie guerrero tribute video and all of that that person works for aew um and uh so just kind of keep in mind that there that's where 
that's where they are. Hmm. Um, so like, I I honestly think like AEW doesn't like to use a lot of their time for video packages because if you watch Road Two, for example, Road Two uh, on YouTube every Monday, I think that's some of the best video stuff produced in pro wrestling. I think uh, it is very good, um, and that's what they're saying in the chat. The Road Two. Uh, Road to Dynamite videos are incredible. I think really it's just a case of time on AEW television that they're like, okay, historically our video packages don't do well with their viewers. They want matches. So all you're going to get from us video package wise is like a 30 second package. And <laughs> that's it because we got to move on and move towards some more matches. But it is the same video editing people. Um, and I'm being told to check the humpers. Uh, thank you, Van Twinblade. Um, it's not that I'm not actively checking them. It's that I lost access to them. Uh, so I can't just get them. I actually have to rely on somebody else to get them for me. Uh, so I will say, um, again, Van Twinblade, I owe you one. Uh, I will... Yes, I will read this one on Grap CD this week if I can, because I'm going to try and get my access back uh, tomorrow, um, and then that way I have it all back. Or um, I'll even give you a freebie for next week if I can do that, uh, because I do want to have my access back. Um, outside of that, folks, we've reached the end of Day After Dynamite. Thank you for being with us. Uh, for Mr. Axdu, uh, which sounds like I'm asking somebody to ask do. By the way, <laughs> which is what a lot of my friends will actually say when we're playing online. Like, hey, do what are you doing? Because that's my name for everything. So, yeah, Axe Do. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, for Mr. Axe Do, Theron Reynolds, I am Will Washington. We will see you next time. Have a great day. Peace out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.